All right, let's give them a hand.
May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. And our reading is, in fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. The point is this. The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by, having, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. This is God's word for God's people. So we've been thinking about uh, stewardship. We've been uh, on a series here, a five-part series, in which we've been exploring stewardship by using what we go through when we join a United Methodist Church. There are five words that are referred to that we talk about as we join the church, and that is that we are going to support the church with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, and our services and our witness. And I've been suggesting to you that these five words are, are really good benchmarks by which to uh, think about our faith, how we experience and express our faith, how we live into our discipleship of Christ Jesus. So we've been going through each one of them over these. And today we take a look at the stewardship of gifts. We hear the call as a disciple of Christ 
and as a church member, to be generous. Now, I want to encourage you, if you'd like, to, to get out a pencil and jot down on that, on that note sheet there in your bulletin some biblical passages that you might want to go to later on today and, and just uh, round out the picture of what you're hearing. If you were to take a look at Deuteronomy chapter 14 or 26 or Numbers 18, you'll see a lot of talk about tithing and the practice of tithing for our Jewish ancestors. In 2 Chronicles 31, you'll hear that tithing is supposed to be a celebration. Were you aware of that? It wasn't supposed to be a onerous duty. It was to be a celebration. Nowadays, research shows that most Protestants give somewhere between 2 to 3% of their income to charity, not just their church, but to the whole charity. That's uh, a far cry from, from tithing. Early on in the development of our faith, tithing was seen as a benchmark for expressing our gratitude to God for the blessings that we received. 10% of the first crops of the abundance of our lives. Now we go to the prophet Malachi, and in chapter 3 we read the prophet telling us, and I am sure it is with a finger wagging, do not rob God. Kind of uh, drop the mic, that's it there, right, isn't it? Boom! Kind of in-your-face, direct words. Now, Jesus wasn't so much in-your-face on this topic, but Jesus did talk about it a good number of times, maybe not quite as strongly as the prophet Malachi. But you remember Jesus talked, render unto Caesar what is Caesar, and to God what is God's. You remember that Jesus talked about how you can't serve two masters. Do you recall how Jesus lifted up the widow who gave a significant gift out of her poverty? And he uh, lifted that up to his disciples as exemplar of the kind of sense of gratitude and generosity that we are supposed to have. You may remember that he had a conversation with a rich young man and about his entrance to heaven. In Acts 2 and in Acts 4, we hear how the early church shared its resources to support one another. And it strikes me that there is just a bunch of clear lessons for us if we want to look without a jaundiced eye at them, that faith in God involves a recognition of God's providence to us, that that is part of what our faith is, is that we recognize we have been gifted by God, and that a life in God's spirit includes gift-giving back to God in recognition and gratitude of what we have received, as well as generosity towards others. So the scripture that Sonny read for us this morning is in, a, uh, is in the context there of where Paul is talking to the Corinthians about their pledge to support the church in Jerusalem. So it seems that in the, in the second generation growth of the Jesus movement, 
there was a little bit more wealth, a little bit more um, substance among the people who were in the movement so that there were some resources that they could share. Whereas that first generation of saints in Jerusalem were, were pretty strapped. And so Paul had been bragging to the Macedonians about how the Corinthians had made a pledge to support those folk in Jerusalem. And now he was talking to the Corinthians saying, well, you are going to live up to that, aren't you? Or you are going to be generous like you said you would be, aren't you? That's the context of what we heard read this morning. Paul wants to encourage them without compelling them so that their, their generosity would flow willingly, not grudgingly. I find this kind of interesting because I, I draw a direct line right there to now about how the response in faith to the blessings we've received from God are to be shared liberally among ourselves to pull off what we think we are supposed to be doing, but also are to be shared beyond our doors to accomplishing God's will. So, if you don't like apportionments and benevolences, don't get up in my face. It's Paul. <laughs> you're upset with Paul. You're not upset with me. It's Paul that you're after. Um, you just don't want to be biblical about this part of the biblical message. Maybe some other parts you feel comfortable being biblical about, but don't want to be biblical about this. Paul is saying that there is a movement of Christ that's beyond our individual lives, beyond our individual body of Christ, that we need to be attentive to, that we should support. So, all I ever hear down there at church is talk about money. <laughs> Have you ever said that? You ever heard somebody else say that? I've heard that. I see it in your frowns <laughs> that you've heard it too. Why is that? Why do we even talk about money? What's the deal? Apparently, we all collectively think it takes about $700,000 worth of that money to make this church be the kind of church it feels God is asking it to be. Ministry takes money. Now, I've asked the office staff if they'd rather not get paid and... <laughs> They assure me that they think getting paid is a good idea. You all appreciate the lights, appreciate the toilets working, appreciate the fact that we're killing those termites so they don't rot the ceiling and it falls in on us. There are things about a church that takes money. Those bulletins you're reading from this morning were bought somewhere. Ink was put on those pages, all requiring some money. Money talk is just part of the talk that 
we need to have as a group of people that live together and try to do things together in a center like this. Money talk really is ministry talk because all the dollars or the $100 bills or the $1,000 checks that you give to the church, they all are empowering one form or another ministry. It's like the blood in a body. It pulses through the body and it makes it happen. Your gifts, along with your prayers, your showing up, your presence, your talents, your gifts make ministry happen. People who complain about too much money talk at church, I think, are missing the point because our resources are God's resources in the first place. We are beneficiaries of God's blessings. We live in that blessing. We've mobilized our gifts and graces that God has given us to have productive life, have life that brings resources to us. This all is God's doing of how he's created us as creatures. Money talk is ministry talk. Now, we've had a stewardship series of five sermons. Rachel's going to wrap it up next week. I've spoken five times. Money has been one sermon. Four others on other aspects of stewardship. That's quick math check. 80% of the focus has been on things that are not money. Very important things of expressing our faith, of living as a steward. Yet we recognize sharing of our resources is equally as important. You have bills at home. I asked the Thousand Oaks Water Department if they just give us water this month. Um, but they said, no, you got to pay for it, man. Do you pay for your water at home? We're, we're paying for it here at church, too. Paying for the lights, paying for all these things that make up the works of God or support the works of God in this place. I remember that popular commercial some years ago that uh, was talking about the cost of providing great child care and youth ministry. I've turned it into a church thing. 8000 bucks. The cost of utilities, 37000 The cost of cleaning, 45000 The cost of landscaping, 13000 The cost of the experience of God's grace, priceless. Priceless. And all this other stuff flows out of our gratefulness for that priceless gift of grace in our lives. The stewardship of gifts is one of the ways that we can practice our faith, just like our prayer life, just like being intentional with where we put our bodies, just like making 
uh, informed decisions about the good matchup of our passions with our abilities to the needs in the community. The stewardship of our gifts is one of the ways that we can practice our faith. It helps us to consider God's impact on our life. Do we actually sense that we have been blessed by God and that there is an abundance rather than a scarcity because of God in our lives? How are we supported? How have we been altered? How have we been enriched by God's grace? Can we pinpoint those? And how do we feel about that? Do we feel like we got our just desserts? That we got what we deserved? It was owed us from God? Or do we feel pretty blessed by an unmerited gift? And because of that, really thankful, really grateful about it. How do we give real expression to our thankfulness? How can we do that? How can we make it more than talk? The stewardship of our gifts also helps us to weigh our priorities and our allegiances. Is God's work through the church given the priority in your life that it deserves? Are we doing something important here or are we kind of just messing around? Occupying time, carrying on a tradition. Do we give first to God and then make all our other responsibilities work out? Or do we take care of all this stuff and then whatever is left over at the end of the week or the end of the month, we give that to God? Do we give God first fruits or leftovers? Now, if I'm making you squirm, um, sorry, I guess it's part of my job. But you ought to be thankful that you don't have John Wesley as a preacher in front of you because John Wesley would really wag his finger at all of us. Do you know Wesley would go up to people in those little small groups and stuff and say, where'd you get that jacket? What are you doing with such an expensive jacket? Don't you know that you only need a a wool coat. You only need one. That's all you need. And if you have money enough to get that coat, whatever's left over, you should use to help people. And if you don't, let me tell you, you're robbing God. You're robbing God, he'd say. 
God has given you all that stuff. Earn as much as you can doing what you do. Save as much as you can. And then give away as much as you can. That was John Wesley. That's what's in our our DNA as a denomination. Can you believe it? So, in our house, I would like to blame this on the fact that we had two residents for a while, but it's really not true. Um, In our house, we have a closet that's right in from the front door, and the closet's probably, what did you say, about that big, and about this much of it are my jackets. (laughs) About half a closet full of jackets. I don't know how I did that, um, but boy, John Wesley's turning over his grave (laughs) with Dilge. So I'm I'm just wanting to say to you, I'm, I'm talking to myself too. We struggle, don't we, with trying to figure out what's the right balance of our resources and the needs of the community, the needs of other people, the cost of ministry. And we all make choices in that and try to find our way forward and try to feel good about it and not guilty about it. We want to try to be making the right choices of uh, simplicity or of uh, frugalness or prudence. I struggle with you as we try to find our way forward with what to do with how blessed we have been. But the point of today is to have us think about it, to really grapple with it, and maybe to get some help from one another in how we make sense of this and how, how we can go forward. What God may be asking of us. How might we really live into the gratitude that our soul feels for the blessings of redemption and of abundance that are ours. I guess that's our question for the day. And as we spend some money, uh, thank you special donors on refurbishing parts of our plant. We're also We're also trying to refurbish, polish up, fix up, strengthen our souls too, aren't we? We're looking backwards at all that has come before us, the people, their sacrifices, their gift-giving, their prayers, their presence, their witness. We're looking back over just about 50 years of that, and we'll be celebrating next year all that has gone on for 50 years. And as we do that, We're looking forward with a feeling that God is leading us into another 50 years. And we want to be equipped and strong of faith, good stewards of what we have inherited and how we can share it to go forward. That's the excitement of what we're trying to embrace right now leading into next year. Strengthening ourselves as disciples of Christ so that we can have the joy of a partnership with God in these next years that makes a big difference in people's lives.
So I invite you to think on these things. I invite you to have some uh, Jesus moments about how it is we can be grateful people in our faith. Amen.